Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. Your on-the-go bite of the food and beverage industry. Welcome to the Food and Drink Business Podcast. My name's Grant McCarran, and today I'm once again joined by Kim Berry, the editor of Food and Drink Business and the host of this show. G'day, Kim. How are you doing today? I'm really well. How are you? Not too foul. Thanks for asking. Oh, my pleasure. Now, (laughs) today we're looking at another food and beverage manufacturing adjacent industry. Uh, We're joined by the founders of what's called an attention strategy agency. So think public relations, marketing, brand activation, uh, content creation, just as a starting point, uh, called Stanley House Studios. We're joined by founders David Wasserman and George Redmond. Hello, you two. Hi, Kim. How are you? Very well. Okay, give us the elevator pitch, the potted history of Stanley House Studios. What do you do? In a nutshell, um, we get brands in front of their audiences. So we just work with food and bev brands, um, everything from a fireball, whiskey, through to, you know, a, g- a gelato that's in Woolworths. Um, and brands come to us when they want us to tell their story or help with their story. And then how do they get themselves in front of their audiences? And all of that strategic and execution piece within that is is us. And when did you guys? When did you start? Have, has this been your Has this been your jam forever? Well, um, we started. I mean, I started the business uh, in two thousand and five, long, long time ago, um, as formerly known, well, formerly known as Wassa Media, um, and we were a, a, a traditional public relations agency. Uh, and over the years, many changes, including obviously George coming and joining us, and more recently um, changing uh, to Stanley House Studios, um, and obviously entering the digital realm and and everything that that has to offer as well. And so, when a when a company comes to you or a brand owner, are they the big end of town? Are they? medium size do you get some smaller startups is this sort of is this an open field for for brands and companies to approach look it's we do do a bit of everything in between we're still a boutique agency we're only 14 15 people which is quite a nice size and we work with everything from you know people who are starting up in woolies say for example they've just been stocked right through to, you know, global, national brands who have been around for a long time. I think for us, most important thing is distribution. If they don't, if the brand does not have the distribution, we regularly send them away because there's no point us telling your story, marketing, building excitement, growing the community because people say, how do I get get this product? Where can I buy it from? So we actually had a brand recently come to us and say, hey, we really want to work with you and tell our story. And we say, that's great, but they need to work with a distribution company because when people see something, you know, these days people need to see something, you know, they say seven times before they actually have an impetus to purchase it. Then they need to be able to see that product on the shelf or it needs to be able to be purchased online through some kind of an online shop, whether that be, you know, Woolies catalogue or their own e-com platform. So distribution is the most important thing before you come to an agency like us. 
And if you have good distribution then and, and obviously a great story, which is what we help cultivate, then it kind of falls it, it falls into place. But there's nothing more, just going on the back of what George was saying, there's nothing more frustrating than hearing about this amazing thing and you can't get it anywhere or that, 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 that path to purchase is, is just blocked. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a real chicken or egg scenario. So you've got to have that relationship with a distributor and your distribution channels and, and that you have scaled to that level of being able to supply that market or that bigger market before it's, in a way, before it's worth really investing in a, in a plan that's going to be able to roll out across that's such, the country. That is such a good point. And it's in some ways brands will come to us when they are starting and we'll help cultivate a story, create some content for them in that really initial phase before they have the distribution, but coming up with a full marketing strategy, you know, and there are costs involved in the the marketing strategy as well. You've got to pay an agency, but you've also got to pay for the ads, pay for the, you know, media partnerships, pay for ambassadors or influencers, whatever the, the strategy might look like. But to be able to support that level of cost, you've either got to have investment or distribution for the sales as well. So that's another thing to, to, to kind of consider. But you're right, it is chicken in the egg. It's sort of where, where do you start? Most The most uh, asked question we get at any trade show or anywhere we go is, do you know a great distributor? Yeah, <laughs> so, we do. <laughs> yeah, do you it's know, true. Uh, we're just uh, – I just ran a story. Um, it actually ran in our – on the newsletter today about the soft drink Bobby. And uh, and even within that, the um, founder talks about finding a contract manufacturer and he was saying that there are so many contract manufacturers who have been burnt by a startup or, or you know, a young company coming in and going, we're the next big thing, we're going to do this, can you do our short runs and, and, and then they fall over. And he said, you have to, you have to, um, you've got to prove your, is it prove your stripes? You've got to prove your stripes before to then get that, to build that relationship. And I'm imagining that that can be, I think sometimes if you're that passionate about your product and you know what it can do and you know what's gone into it and you've worked so hard to this point, it's hard to understand why an external, whether it's an agency like yourselves or a distributor, does not immediately get that level of excitement and buy-in. Yeah. Um... I, 100%. And and also, you know, because we're foodies, like we're very passionate about food and drink. That's our wheelhouse. That's what we love. But at the same time, we only want to work with brands that we genuinely believe have the Story. foundations for success. And the foundations for success include, you know, having that distribution and the manufacturing capabilities to support that distribution. I mean, you know, some of the clients that we've we've worked with, some of who, you know, you know and have had on the podcast, the, the manufacturing uh, expense and the investment that you need to have before you can even invest in a company like us, like it's real. There's a lot of hoops that it's you a kind balancing. of. It's definitely a yeah, balancing act. It is. I think also that, that, that USP, I mean, obviously one of the things as a marketing agency we do when all of those things are in place is help build that story and build the, the backstory. Mm. Um, but, you know, uh, I remember I was having a conversation with a client not long ago. You walk into Dan Murphy's and you'll see 200 gins on the wall and they all think that they're great. How does you stick out and how, how you know, because I'm especially with the growth of the Australian 
the Australian um, spirits industry, like how do you stick out with uh, those two hundred gins? Mm. And yeah, let's so let's move yeah let's move this along then that you are actually at that point and you have your gin or goodness it could be a, a, a seltzer or <laughs> it could be a sugar free soft drink um, or it could be a better for you bar or anything with added protein or a probiotic <laughs> and they're at that point and they're coming to you. What, how, how do you get that cut through? Like, how do you stand out in that really crowded market? And that is such a good question and something that we're constantly revising as an agency because, you know, 12 years ago, 10 years ago, how do you get cut through is it's, it used to be traditional PR. You take a journalist out, you showcase the product to them, they fall in love with it and then you get a big coverage piece and then you do that with a couple of journals and you're done. Now you've got TikTok, threads, Facebook, Instagram, PR, influencers, you know, content strategy. It is harder to get the cut through and consumers, our attention spans are shorter than ever, nine seconds. When people are scrolling, you know, the average length that people stay on a video is nine seconds. So you have to be everywhere all the time and do it well. But I so, think also added to that, yeah. yes, I agree, George, there's definitely a, you know, um, the, the channels have been diluted and, mm. and to be, you know, across all of them uh, a huge part of success for any, you know, brand amplification. But I think also to have that little something a little bit different or that, you know, how is it packaged or how is it the look and feel of it? Like, I, you know, I, I know when I'm, I'm very much into my wine, um, Kim, you know this, um, and, and you walk into that, 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 that incredible bottle shop and you see 500 bottles of Shiraz and how is it, what is it that appeals to me out of all of those Shiraz? Now, for me as someone who is into wine, you know, I look at region, I look at, you know, at the winemaker, I look at, you know, what what happened in the season, but I'm kind of building my own backstory through my knowledge. But I guess that, you know, when I'm looking at that that, that wall of all of those gins, there needs to be a little bit of a something. And, and George and I always say, what's the magic? What's the the little something that's going to help us stick out? And, and And even sometimes when we choose clients or when clients come to us, we ask them, why am I choosing your gin over two hundred others, or what's the what's the what's the special source? Um, and it's up to us to craft that through content and through you know messaging and really finesse what is there and choose you know and particularly with you know brands that don't have limitless budgets, you've got to think: Do we go narrow and deep and own one channel based on you know where we think your audience is, or you know, if we have a bit more budget, we may go multi-channel. So it, it really depends on the brand, the timings, the budget, and managing expectations. Like <laughs> our PR agencies get a really bad rap because, you know, and there are agencies out there, not all of them, but, you know, they, they sell the dream and over-promise and under-deliver. And I think that has given PR agencies a bad name, but we really try and say, look, you know, we, you're not going to be on the cover of the Sydney Morning Herald, you know, we need to be realistic. It's going to take time, effort from both, and there's a lot of factors that, you know, play into the success of, of any brand. And marketing is one of those factors, Definitely. but it's not the only factor. I should I, maybe I need to make the confession here that when I first left uni, I actually started in PR, and I worked in PR for a number of years before um, escaping the dark arts. And uh, 
manipulation. I thought you'd be great. You would be great at PR, actually. <laughs> I was. I was really great at it, and that made me really uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think what I'm getting from what you're saying is this notion of like, even when you're launching a product or you're trying to to build that brand's, you know, that brand awareness, it's still a it still takes time. Um, I have a saying in my household of um, never underestimate the passage of time. And I think that a lot of companies or a lot of young brands sort of think if they if they don't get the immediate hit that it's not gonna it's not gonna happen at all. Do you sort of see that that it, it's something like, well, there either is that initial grab and then it will be a slow burn or that there are literally cases where it is just a slow burn? I think it's a bit of both. I mean, we do, and particularly on TikTok, which has quite a different algorithm to the other platforms, there is the capability for a piece of content to go viral, and that has happened. Um, And, you know, that's fantastic, and you get really great reach and growth and, you know, click-through and sales. Um, But it's you can't promise that. It's generally it takes time. Generally, for us, we only sign engagements minimum six months, normally 12 months minimum, because that gives us the passage of time to know we do, you know, in in an order and a structure, and we'll be able to report back to the client at the end of that period and show that we have growth, um, because we need to be able to show ROI in terms of, you know, we've grown their their community, their sales, their awareness, um, and that does take time. Occasionally, you do get those viral pieces of content. We've got one client at the moment where we're just having this crazy like viral moments um, without ad spend which is just unprecedented and we're riding that wave but we couldn't have predicted that we were trying for it for six months and then it happened and now it's amazing you know it's it's unprecedented you know and other clients come to us and say how do we get viral reach like that brand everything you're doing is going viral but it's a combination of work timing and a little bit of luck you know there's (laughs) it's it's a lot yeah, and also is. knowing what's happening in the culture, that's really important. A big part of, um, you know, reaching that kind of viral or, you know, virality with content is understanding your audiences and timing of things as well. Like what's trending right now? Um, you know, we use websites like Trend Hunter, um, you know, Google Trends. We're always on top of that stuff to try and make sure you know, relevant to the brand, of course, that we're staying on top of those things to make what we're doing relevant as it has more chance of pickup. But, yes, you are also right, Kim, is that um, managing that client expectation and even kind of using that old kind of metaphor, it's like baking a cake and baking a cake starts off with flour, eggs and water um, and then butter, (laughs) lots of butter. But then eventually, you know, you're going to put that icing on and the cake's going to look all pretty and then people are going to want to eat it. But you've got to start off with the grind. So, you know, putting in that grind and and, and getting that recipe and the ratios right in the beginning is, you know, one of the most important things to kind of getting the result. Um, And and that education piece, George and I are very upfront and honest and tell people what they can and can't expect. Can you give us some insider goss or understanding to the creature that is an influencer? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They get paid really well. (laughs) Um, But, I mean... At the at the, I mean, I'll talk a little bit from the the older kind of um, perspective um, because my opinion on influencers has changed a lot over the course of the years. Um, 
the good ones are absolutely worth their weight in gold. Um, and, you know, the fact that they have these communities, um, they don't work with too many brands. Um, they're not slutting themselves out around town. Um, and they have genuine influence in what they do and, and how they collaborate with brands and to create um, content which actually reaches communities and, and have influence. Like even um, a good mate of mine, uh, Dan Hong, who's a fantastic chef, he is an accidental influencer, but, you know, his influence uh, in the foodie world um, and obviously now he's working with a lot of brands as well, um, is uh, is real and I've seen it. I've travelled with Dan. I've kind of we've done some work with some of our clients with Dan and and it's genuine influence, but it's influence earned by you know twenty years of hard work as one of Sydney's top chefs. Um, so you know, but I'll hand it over to George to talk about influence. No, I, I agree with what I definitely agree with what you said. I mean, early in the days, you know, influencers coming from a traditional PR background, it took us a while to kind of come around to it but we use influencers for a lot of our campaigns and often there's a dual purpose so part is the content creation factor which we can then use on the brand channels and and share for them as well so it's like a you know a photographer or a videographer with talent who is the influencer that's one part and the other part as David mentioned is the communities and we work with um, some talent agencies um, and we work directly with some influencers and it's like anything. Some are fantastic and some don't deliver and are really difficult and you have to follow them up a lot and they go on our blacklist and we don't use them again. So it's the reality is it's just a learning thing and, you know, we have a list of who we know and trust and the agencies we know and trust and, yeah, they can be great. And Something I wish I was an influencer because yeah, some of them earn some great of them money. Earn ridiculous money. Um, also, the other thing that they don't realise is that a lot of us uh, from different agencies, we talk, so we know, you know, who is who is great to use and who isn't. Um, but it's very much that kind of bespoke, you know, you cherry pick uh, that influencer and you kind of work out what it is that you want them to do for your brand. There's no cookie cutter kind of thing going, that person has 100,000 people. You know, we'll just harness their, their community. Like I think that, you know, when you're doing it well, um, it's kind of really be able to use that influencer um, and for them to obviously endorse the brand. I mean, obviously mm. the the authenticity um, is, is is really important. Mm. It sounds blessedly that the, the longer it's around, the more sophisticated it's becoming. Oh, for sure. Early days it was Wild West. You know, you didn't know what to expect. Deliverables, you'd send things out and hope that something would happen. But now, you know, it's all agreements, deliverables, because we know now that people make careers out of that and we respect the fact it takes time for them to do what they do um, and vice versa. So it's a lot more sophisticated than it once was. Um, and the smart ones, most. the smart ones are a pleasure to deal with mm. and over deliver and, and and you know uh, like any kind of small business have that want to have that relationship. Um, um, I think also people who are as I me- I mentioned Dan Hong before, but people who are not that's not their number one gig, but they have these communities anyway. They're 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 fantastic to work with um, because they understand different aspects of different businesses as well. Um, but still, they have a, a community which is very powerful, and then they have influence over that said community. What's been one of your most favourite projects or campaigns? Um, I mean, 
during uh, lockdown, um, obviously, I think everyone was drinking a lot more than than um, than what you know what the whole world you know um, was drinking a lot more. Um, I think that we we started working with a lot of alcohol brands. Um, we are very proud of the work that we've done with Fireball Whiskey. Um, uh, it's a fun brand, um, and you know the success that we've had over the last two and a half to three years um, in both the PR world and also the social world has been fantastic. It's now the number one shop brand in Australia. I think um, why it's so good is it's naughty, so we can actually be. It's be one naughty. of those brands that you can really push the envelope with. I mean, we we do a lot of work with brands, um, you know, traditional brands stocked in supermarkets as well. Like we do a lot of Woolies brands. Uh, which are fantastic. We love working with them and, you know, running sales campaigns with deep links and that's more that traditional marketing. But I think the other uh, style of campaigns that I really enjoy is the the TikTok campaigns that we run for a lot of the brands because the style of content is very ad hoc, it's very lo-fi, it's very trend-based. You can turn them around a lot more quickly and the reach you can get on these is just out of control. So Coco and Lucas, a good example. Um, some of the reach we've been getting on their their TikTok ads is, I mean, it's just outperforming any other channel. And these are really fun, silly, lo-fi videos that we're posting on TikTok and Reels. And just and and, and, and we're influencing people's mm. you know purchasing decisions based on mm. these. And which, we're, we're driving tra- traffic to um, yeah. Woolworths via DeepLink, and it's. Yeah, it's the results are really amazing. So for me, that's probably um, one that's really great to see success on. I always think, with particularly with TikTok, and then even with Reels on on Insta, is there is that that low si- that low fi sort of element of it. It just it's a little bit more fun, and it's a little bit less polished. And I think that appeals to a lot of people because it shows a a you know, like a sort of, oh, well, they're just like us. They're, they're, it's real. Like it's not this absolute pristine, you know, all white kitchen, for example, with, you know, like. That's exactly right. And it's been a real education piece, especially for, you know, corporate brands who want to present themselves really well online, which is totally fine. But the way that people are consuming content now has really changed, particularly since COVID. We want authentic human connection. We want to feel real. We want, you know, to see people in a messy kitchen cooking something up, having fun. And, you know, TikTok is the platform that allows us to show that kind of content and Instagram reactively now as well. So if brands aren't on that bandwagon, that would be the number one tip to, you know, create that bulk of content. It does take planning. You've got to think what's true. Trending, what are the trending sounds? What are the trending songs? Um, what are the trending hashtags? All that stuff. And then creating content uh, more regularly. It's not like it used to be, which is one content shoot, which is enough for the year, and you post glossy pictures. It's you've got to be creating content and posting regularly to really get that uptick. And also um, having a look at uh, which medium or will, um, does well with which age bracket. Um, I think that, you know, people automatically assume that TikTok's just for young people. It's not the case. Um, and we are seeing, you know, 
I think that to be represented in quite a few of the different um, uh, uh, social channels um, is important and, and the, the kind of content that you roll out of those different channels is really, really important. But we also see even just from the age group of people in our office what they engage with and what they're looking at and what they're what resonates with them, um, that's that's pretty interesting to have a look at. Mm. And even, you know, people with young kids, like my nephew and niece, they're only interested in YouTube. So, you know, um, that's – and I watched – even last night I watched a thing on Jake Paul and the whole YouTube sensation of the, you know, these this kind of world. Um, but watching that, that documentary just shows me that the next generation of kids, they don't want to watch movies anymore. They want to watch YouTube. So – Attention spans. Attention spans. <laughs> so interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's so just that's I a mean, whole other podcast. Yeah, but yes, really it's just a change in um, media consumption habits. You know, the style of videos ten years that we produced, super high production values, doesn't exist anymore. You know, that doesn't exist anymore. Because and because we need to be creating this content constantly. You know, it, it does need to be lo-fi as well because, you know, which brand can afford to, you know, create <laughs> constant yeah. videos at that level? And people don't want to see them anyway. They want to see stuff that they can that they, that they know is created in someone's bedroom. Like, you know, think about how Justin Bieber started, you know, on YouTube in, in, in his bedroom recording songs. Um, and that the younger generation resonate with that. Mm. And I think it's interesting because I the older generations, I don't yeah, know, us I'm, too, don't worry. I'm not looking at anyone on the <laughs> screen in front of me, uh, you you get pulled into like so, you know, there are there are certain social media channels and, and that I am, you know, addicted to and others that I just don't engage with at all. And but then I start to engage with them because my children who are all late teens, early 20s, pull me into it you know they're like let's make this can we go here let's you know and so I think it's 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 again like we were talking about in terms of time that there's always going to be a new medium there's always going to be a new version but then we can't negate the heritage I can't believe I'm saying YouTube is a heritage media but like you know those sorts of avenues or those sorts of mediums resurging for whatever reason for whatever reason, it, it 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 sort of pings the interest of the next of a particular cohort. Absolutely, and I mean, I think the most important thing to remember because brands often come to us overwhelmed with the number of channels, and you know, where do I put my spend? But we always say Who's we go where your people are. Yeah. So if your people are, you know, twenty five to forty five, you know, there's all, all of the the platforms are an option. But are they, you know, female? Possibly we can go to Instagram because it's a little bit more curated. There's more females on Instagram. Just we really think about where the people are and then there's a lot of ability particularly with um advertising to geotarget age bracket so we can really slice down into exactly you know who we're talking to what we're talking to them about and when so it might be for a brand you're creating some content which is targeted to females and some content which is targeted to males showcasing a different side of that brand so there's a lot of thought and strategy that goes into you know, which platform and then what we're actually presenting on that platform to whom and when. So that's the where the strategy and experience really comes in. I think it also goes back to the original point of what you said before was 
there's only a certain amount of budget or there's mm. only a certain amount of pie and, you know, you need to divide that pie um, so that you'll get your best bang for your buck. Mm. No, it's... um. Well, it's very. It's overwhelming. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is, and you can totally appreciate why why smaller companies are just like, no, I don't know what to do. Uh, but as we discussed, you know, get a good distributor, start that growth plan, work out your story. Everyone needs a good origin story, and uh, a good origin story. And also, the other thing is, you know, I, I, without wanting to scare brands off, because we do work with startups who don't have, you know, huge budgets, and the starting point is always the story content which can be shared across your social platforms and always start with um you know meta because they still do have the biggest audience and the greatest advertising Mm -hmm. capability um and content to support that strategy and even running ads at a you know small budgets you can still reach people with small budgets on those platforms you can start to get a little bit of reach particularly around really tightly geo-targeted distribution so if you're only distributed in a small area, we can still target the people within that area so they learn about your brand and gain awareness as you grow. So there is opportunity for small brands. Um, it is just, it's just becoming harder as brands come in with more investment. But if you have a great product, a great story, and a great agency, um, <laughs> there's still there's still opportunity. Oh, look, that's the best, that's the perfect, <laughs> that's the perfect full stop. <laughs> um, there you go. That's, yeah, look, it's such a fascinating industry and I think maybe we need to do this again and just be looking at um, algorithms and uh, just that sort of little, let's just slice that pie and just look at that area because that is a fascinating little corner of the universe that a lot of us don't really know much about but are all impacted, you know, by every day. So, it's um, huge and yes. it's remember, changed. Remember, remember your phone is listening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it has well, changed a lot as well. So, yeah, it's something we can definitely talk. We can talk about that till the cows come <laughs> home. Really? So we might need a longer session. We'll, we'll do that. This has been like the <laughs> intro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, look, thanks, David, and thanks, George, so much. You're um, opening that, you know, pulling the curtains back, so to speak. Um, it's been fantastic. Thank you. And, yes, we shall reconvene to talk uh, – to talk the mighty algorithm and oh goodness keyword oh yeah we're always we're always happy to talk about the dark arts <laughs> and we'll see if we can bring you back in <laughs> tempt you back in well I tell you what I may you know far out I, I missed the boat I was a I was an early influencer and then just couldn't sell my soul I started in PR and then I just really couldn't I just couldn't do it and I'm like and now I'm a journalist I really didn't choose the financial oh, I, think you're a bit more than a journalist, I didn't choose the financial yeah. uh I didn't choose the good financial path <laughs> it has changed a lot though in that it's not it is more strategic than it, it is used to be. yeah look it's that we enjoy which is it's not just like the schmoozy PR that it used to be it really is particularly with the platform selection and you know it, it is it's strategic and I think that's the bit that that we enjoy the most. George's really. dad still thinks thinks that all we do is take people out for long lunches. Oh, we do that occasionally. Little, we do that occasionally. occasionally. But there is a bit more. <laughs> we don't. We're not opposed to a long lunch. We don't mind a long lunch. <laughs> oh, Grant, Grant, and I aren't opposed to a long lunch either. We we'll just we that. just oh, very hey. we just very rarely get them. Yeah. Correct. Hey, <laughs> we need to sounds make that like happen. A, sounds yeah. like a plan. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> Well, thank you, guys. It's been fantastic. Awesome. Thank Thank you so much much. for your time, Kim. You're a legend. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Ryan, as well. 
Thanks, George and David. Thanks, Kim. And of course, thanks to our audience for joining us today. Don't forget, if you enjoyed what you've heard, you can tell a colleague about us so they too can benefit from this show. We'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative discussion, and it might also include algorithms and food and how they're linked together. Who knew? But until then, have a great day. You've been listening to the Food and Drink Business Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Food and Drink Business, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Food and Drink Business, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast's audio, please contact us via our website or send an email to editor at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's food and beverage industry at foodanddrinkbusiness.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.